Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 171 of the All Can Hear podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today is my compact co-host. It is Johnny Game Boy over here. And just a, just a little bit of housekeeping before we get into this week's episode. We wanted to let you all know that we're doing something a little different this month. We're trying out something new. And what's going to be happening this month is that each week you'll hear one episode from Jonathan and me. And the following week you'll hear an episode from Colt Winslow, which of course you notice aren't here today. But basically we're just doing a little tag in, tag out this week. And we'll all meet back together at the end of the month for one big sort of summer wrap-up episode we always sort of have an episode we tie together uh, what we did for the summer and that'll be uh the same this year but we're gonna let everybody all the teams sort of have their own little fun and then we'll all sort of reconvene at the end of august so but for today's episode it's just john and me and we'll be talking about uh something we think will be a little fun we're going back in time today and we're talking about one of our favorite consoles and that's the game boy advance now, you won't see this at home, of course, but today I sort of dug out my old Game Boy Advance sort of traveling bags. I got like the uh, my couple SPs over here, the original Game Boy Advance model, and like it, probably close to 30 games on the table here. And we're just going to uh, shoot the breeze and talk about our favorite games, sort of the games we wish we got to play, the ones we miss, and just sort of just some recommendations, just some fond memories. And I'll throw it to you, Jonathan, now. Uh, when did you first get your Game Boy Advance? Oh, fuck, I don't remember. I was really young, like third or fourth grade, uh, probably around fourth grade, because that was around the time it was getting real big. I had, like, the side, like, the big one, the big sideways one for uh, the longest time, and then I can't remember. I got mad at something and, like, squoze down too hard, and... <laughs> It broke the fucking screen. Oh, so. shit. Yeah, I, I, I went like six months without it, and I thought I was going to fucking die. And then that Christmas, they got me an SP, and I was a lot more kind to that one. Because <laughs> you, you know, it's like, oh, wait, I can't fuck around. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, my SP was purple. And for some reason, I don't know why I did this. But you remember, like, when you would go to the doctor as a kid and they would have, like, a bunch of stickers and shit? Yeah. Of just, like, random characters. I had one from, it was the El Camino character from Cars. Okay. So I just, like, slapped that bitch, like, right on the front. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I was uh, the opposite because, like, I even as a kid, I, I was like, oh, I, I can't put stickers on my shit. That That's going to either come off or just look tacky. I guess I had some foresight as a kid, not to diminish your well, well, your you, car's cred as a as a kid. Usually, I was the same way, but for some reason, my dumb like ten year old self was like, "Fuck, let's do this." Now, you said your SP was purple, and that sounds like it might have been a special edition. Did it come with the game or have something? Because I don't remember I had seen a, a, a purple SP. It was either purple or really deep blue. I, I don't remember. I don't think it came with the game. Because the games I did end up getting for it, it wasn't. It, it was like they came in like the actual case, separate from the console itself. Okay. Uh, as for me personally, I got because the Game Boy Advance came out June 11, two thousand one, and I'm pretty sure I got that for my birthday because my birthday's in July. So I had one of the original models. That's the uh, I guess you'd call the sideways model, the version one of Game Boy Advance, and it was the uh, I think I think this model is called the Arctic model, which is basically like a clear, translucent blue 
So you can see like the inner machinery of it. And the first game I, I had was, I, th- I think it came with the Game Boy Advance. And that was the original Super Mario uh, Advance, which I'm holding uh, right now. Oh, fuck. Was this just like a collection of like a, a lot of like the NES and SNES games? I think Super Mario Advance, because all the Mario Advance games were like ports of Super Nintendo games. So I think this is Super Mario Bros. 2, which is when they're throwing the vegetables. Oh, okay. And each one came with essentially two games. It came with the original, I guess, Mario Bros. where you uh, walk into the, the sideways pipes and it has like little crabs and turtles and you can play that it had like two player two even four player on it mm-hmm. and that was the first game i ever got with the game boy advance and i played that like crazy and like i said i have all my old game boy advance games just scattered around the table and man it's really throwing me back because there's some of these games I haven't put, touched in in years and i know i spent like hours and hours on like i have a pokemon sapphire in a table and that for the longest time was like my high watermark for game. I know I put well over 300 hours in Pokemon Sapphire. Yeah, I did the same thing with Emerald when it came out because I, I just missed the Ruby Sapphire. But like you, I put hundreds of hours into that game. Pokemon was always the ones I put the most amount of time to, obviously. Same but, here. But man, it, 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 it kind of threw me back because I, I had forgotten the Game Boy Advance came out in 2001, the first model. Is like in my brain, the Game Boy Advance is tied to the year 2003 for whatever reason. Yeah, that, that that was around the time I got mine, so that makes sense. Because I can remember just so many summers of like running around playing outside, and then when it got too hot, you went inside to play your Game Boy. Yeah, and that was that was your day. That's that's how you spent your summer. You played it on, you played played outside, or played in the Game Boy. It's one of the two. Most of the time, it was inside in the air conditioning because we live in Alabama and it's hot as fuck. Yeah. So you got like a good couple hours in the morning to play outside before you're just like, fuck this, time for Pokemon. So uh, I think we just get into some of, some of our um, most played games. And Jonathan, once you start us off with one of your most played. Oh, uh, okay. So I have a list on my phone right now, but since I see it now on the table, it was... And I know me and Pat really talk about this one is the Donkey Kong Country port. Oh hell yeah! God damn, is that game unrelentingly hard? But I I put so much time into that game. For real, like it, it was one of those games. That it just kind of probably touched your masochistic streak for the first time as a human because the game was just so much fun, especially in the earlier parts. And then when you get to the fucking, you get your first taste of pain when you get to like the the minecart levels and fuck that shit when it had like. When you get to the end where you're literally hopping your minecart against like tiny spits of track in the air. Yeah. I fucking hated this game, but but I I played it all the way to almost the end. I don't think I could get past that final world. Uh I got to the King K Rule fight and I beat his first phase thinking that was it, because then credits come up and it's like, Yeah, I beat it. That was hard, but I did it. And then the credits stop halfway through, and then you have to do another fight, uh, phase two of the fight, which is significantly harder. Uh, and and I, that's what made me put the game down. I was like, fuck this. I'm fucking done. But you bringing up the minecart area that sucked. The area after that was what gave me trouble because it was the barrels. Oh, yeah. we had. Like, was that like the treetop bubble where you're just like shooting across the barrels? Yeah. Oh, I fucking dug out of fucking repressed memory there. I hated that. Yeah, it was... 
it was just so fucking annoying because you had those little fuck the the little tiny vultures that would shoot like I don't know what they were like rocks or like nuts or something. But you know, of course, it hits you. You lose one partner, the, the whoever's in control, and then you know, you basically essentially have only like two health points the entire game, and it's just so fucking frustrating. Another another good one for me was, or excuse me, on Donkey Kong, I know every time I would get frustrated with the level, I'm just like, I'm just like, fuck this, the game's hard. I just played the hell out of the dancing mini game. I love the dancing yes. mini game, like the DDR Donkey Kong version. Yeah, that that shit was on point. I, and then and it just uh, another memorable world was the factory. I think that might have been like towards the end of the I game. know that was either that was the last world or the next last world and that was just fucking brutal. In any any level when the lights would turn off fucking pissed me off because so many fucking bottomless pits in this game. But for as much as we're complaining about it, it was super fun. Because like, because no matter how frustrated, like, I always went back to playing it. I never finished it, but man, was it just that much fun to play. Yeah, in my little kid brain, I was like, okay, I got to this, I'm done. Because usually, when I, when I was a kid and I played a game, it was, if I, I was never like a completionist. I was all just like, good enough. Okay, I got 80, yeah. 90, That's passing. I think I'm good to put this one down and start the next game. And that's not even talking about a lot. Of, like this series was notorious for all the collectibles you could do. Yeah, cuz I think I, I want to say they added collectibles or more collectibles in the in the advanced port because there's literally you, you could collect cameras that have like these little like pictures you could assemble and there's like apparently there's enough collectibles in the game that you can beat the game at 101%. Yeah, and then I think the second one you could beat it at 102% or something like that. Yeah, I I never got Donkey Kong at Country 2, but I remember getting 3 for Christmas one year, and that had Dixie Kong and Baby Kong? Yes, because the second one was Diddy and Dixie. Yeah. But, oh man, and and then like the soundtracks to these games were super awesome and memorable. Like that, the the water levels, it's just stuck in my head forever. And, And just on the Donkey Kong track, like do yourself a favor. If you never played the um, the Donkey Kong Country Returns games, especially Tropical Freeze, not only is there, are those amazing games, but Tropical Freeze has some of my personal favorite video game music in it, and it's like, without hyperbole, just some amazing tracks on there. So uh, really check that out if you get, have a chance. Hell yeah. Because I, I did think it was funny, the same year that I got Donkey Kong Country 3 for Christmas, my sister got um, Donkey Kong Country King of Swing. Did you ever play it? No, I'd, I'd never play, played that. That was, because Donkey Kong had a period where they really got inventive with their play style. So essentially what it was, uh, it was played entirely with the shoulder buttons. So basically Donkey Kong would, sl- it was like a platformer where you would swing and climb but you would use the L and R buttons to grab hold of pegs and swing yourself onto the next platform. It was really cool, but balls hard. That that sounds fucking infuriating. And it, I, I don't know if anyone else had this level of luck, but for me, especially on my SPs, but one shoulder button would always go out. I don't think I ever ran into that problem, but I could see how, especially on the SPs, because they're so fucking tiny. But that, that, was, that was a big issue. I mean, literally, I have two SPs, 
here. One was my original was a red that I put God knows how many thousands of hours of gameplay on, and then I got my sister's when she swore to got out of game, which is a black one, and literally both shoulder buttons went out and on the same button. I think it was the L button that went out. Damn. I was just like, I was just cursed with shoulder, bad shoulders in my Game Boys. Did you ever get any of like the the interstitial elements to the Game Boy? Like the lights and the... Uh, oh, like all the accessory gimmicks? Yeah, I had um, an OG worm light. Remember that? Ah, uh, yes. I had one of those too. Because uh, for, for back in the day when, you know, you didn't have a backlit screen for your handheld uh, gadgetry, uh, you had a plug and a little light to it. And while you could play in the dark, you're on, you're on a nighttime ride home, but it would bounce off the screen, so it almost didn't even do its job. No, in, in a lot of cases, especially like during the day, it would just make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 was the SP the first one with the backlight? Yeah, it was the first one with the backlight, and that was a game changer. Oh, my God, yes. Because like if you had the little plug-in worm light, that was just sort of like the, I, what, what mine was, like whatever your off-brand insert here. Uh, also, it would just drain your battery because you'd be playing like a fiend, but also it, it's diverting power from the game to your light, so you're just using up your batteries twice as fast. Yeah. And that it, was before rechargeables. Yeah, because uh, that's what I was about to say because like the original Game Boy Advance, you had to put like fucking double A's in that shit. Yeah, because I remember playing um, Pokemon... I got to a gym, and I had got to the leader. My batteries died. And I turned the house upside down looking for AA batteries. Damn, that fucking sucks. Thankfully, they came out with uh, rechargeable batteries. And I remember even before I got the SP, my parents got me one of those fuck-all, like, knockoff game peripheral packs. It had, like, a, a magnifying lens screen with a light and all this other extra bullshit that you don't need. <laughs> But it, the one thing I did use was a rechargeable battery pack for the OG Game Boy Advance. And yeah. I kept that in the whole time. And uh, the, I think the only other thing I had was the the link cable, which would allow you to link to other friends' SPs. This was really big for Pokemon, mm-hmm. to where you could trade and battle your friends. I will say, um, my cousin and I, we played a lot of Pokemon together, and I had the Mad Cats link cable and god help you if you breathe the wrong way that thing would cut off and just like have you have to reset the game yeah like it was really finicky and i mine was like this fuck all link cable that had three like one of the uh plugs for it was a gamecube controller port yeah so you could like hook it up to your gamecube and ostensibly play through it i mean you would have to have what was it what was that thing for the GameCube that you stuck under the GameCube? Yeah, the, the Game Boy Player, which is like this extra like five inches of plastic you could plug into the bottom of your GameCube that you could plug in a Game Boy Advance cartridge and play it on your console. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted so bad, but no, I could just never find it in, in the wild. Because I don't think I ever saw it either. And it's sort of funny to think, like, I, I can hear like my parents saying, it's like, Patrick, you could... Play your Game Boy games on your Game Boy. It's like, no, I would need you to pay $50 so I can play it on something else, even though I have something that can play it just as good. Exactly. Do you want to play it on the big TV? Yeah. God. It, that was... Those were the days. They, they knew you had to wring the money out of parents, didn't they? <laughs> they did. And I think the only way I could use the 
the GameCube controller port for my link cable was Pokemon Coliseum because mm-hmm. you could use your your Game Boy ga- uh, ga- uh, Pokemon to do like random battles in there. Yeah, I never had um, Coliseum. I had an XD Gale Darkness. Yeah, I remember Cody had that one because he had the uh, the special GameCube one mm-hmm. that had the Dark Lugia on it. Because I remember um, my just with just just we, my cousin and I we did some transfers back and forth. Like he would get some of his Pokemon from Coliseum and XD and put it on his Game Boy one. And one I remember he got me a, a Jirachi. Be- oh yeah, because he had the the. Apparently, if you reserved um, Ruby or Sapphire or something, you got like a disc that had, um, or it might have been Coliseum. It had a special disc where you could download Jirachi to your Game Boy. Yeah, and I mean, and they just sold those discs like in the wild. And I remember I found one at Kmart one time, but like you pick up the case and you can tell it was like jostling around. Oh fuck! There's that worm cable. Yeah, I, I just pulled. I'm, I got my Game Boy bag right here. And I'm pulling out some of these old peripherals. Like a. Uh, do you remember this bad boy, Jonathan? What the fuck is this? Okay, I think I just showed it. Or, or wait, is this one of those fucking like Game Sharks? No, that is a Nintendo e-reader. What it is, it, you would plug it into your Game Boy, old OG Game Boy, like this. As demonstrated, that you, you, we'll put some pictures on our Instagram, and it, you would get these cards, right? And you would swipe the cards through the reader at the top, and depending on your game, you could uh, either have stuff activate in your game, or if you swipe enough cards, you can play a game on the e-reader and have it saved to it. Okay. Because um, Nintendo's uh, known for their gimmicks, and one of their gimmicks was the e-reader, and... Uh, it came with a set of cards you can swipe and have a game. Like, you know, I have a five-card set that lets you, lets you play the original Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. on it. Okay. And there was Pokemon, and Mario had had a, a lot, because there's a whole set of Pokemon cards you get for Ruby and Sapphire to let you download, like, extra trainers for, like, battle, because they were, like, extra hard. You get special items. And Super Mario Advance... Four lets you scan in extra items, and Animal Crossing had an e-reader where you could just swipe in like like villagers and um, furniture. Uh, basically, it was this weird like analog version of DLC. Oh wow, this God! I I never even heard of this shit. Yeah, th- this was definitely like two thousand two, two thousand three, and of course, it was very gimmicky. I think I was, other than my cousin, uh, who was also, like, big in the Game Boy stuff, probably the only people I know that had one. <laughs> I sure as hell didn't. And you could even even get, uh, there was even a period of, of the Pokemon trading card game that came with the e-reader um, barcodes on it. And if you swipe certain cards in order, you could get, like, a special game on it. Like, I sw- there, there was one we could get up to uh, Machamp line. If you swiped all three, you could have like this, like boulder bashing mini game. Okay. And there's one where you swiped a Suicune card. You, there's like a platformer with Suicune. Okay. It, it it had some pretty neat ideas, although it seems a long way to go for something that's not very much. <laughs> exactly. But it was cool though. They they knew how to get money out of kids, or rather, kids' parents, like we said before. Mom, buy me this bullshit I don't need. But uh, what's another game that that you're really uh, in with back in the day? 
Like I said, I got an entire fucking list. This was the console I played a lot of, like, movie tie-in games on. Yeah. Because um, I remember the game I got when I got my SP was a series of unfortunate events. Okay. Like, the um, like based off the G- Jim Carrey movie. I remember it being stupid hard and s- just annoying. Uh I also got the Chronicles of Narnia when that movie came out. Was that like a platformer? No, it was, if I remember right, it was just, it's kind of like a isometric 3D action game. Okay. And, and Attack of the Clones. All right. That game was fucking stupid. <laughs> it was so fucking hard. Like, I think I may have gotten to the final level. But I just remember I would only get so far and just die, and, and you, and and it did, like it, it was based on the live system. So if you lost all your lives, you were just fucked. And it, yeah, it was just annoying as shit. I, I just remember in particular the Camino level. Yeah. With Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh my god, because you, because uh, of course you had to fight Jango Fed at the end, and that that was just un fair how hard that was yeah i never had i never had any um i guess like a movie tie-in there was one i wanted i just never could get um i know it's a little um i guess taboo right now but the game boy advance version of harry potter and a prisoner of azkaban was a like art like a kind of like a jrpg where you had like you know turn-based rpg we had like harry ron and hermione and you kind of play through the movie like that. Apparently, it was a very good game, and I literally saw it one time at like a secondhand store, and just for whatever reason, I didn't think to get it that day. And I kind of kicked myself ever since because that was a game I really wanted as a kid, and I had a chance to get it before you know the bad stuff happened. Um, yeah, but I, I just remember that that was a really cool game. Just remember we got kind of hyped up after reading about it in Nintendo Power. I remember buying that for years. I, I do have a f- few like licensed games, quote quote, on the table. I have a couple of Shaman King games. Shaman King is what my the first manga I ever read. One of my, like today, one of my all time favorites. And they had a couple of Game Boy games, um, which were essentially Castlevania games. Okay. But with like Shaman King trappings, and they're really good. You may not know anything about Shaman King as a series, but like it, it plays just like a Game Boy Advance Castlevania game. Hell yeah! And um, a weird one. Also, you know, the creator got himself in a lot of trouble for just being a shithead. But I have a Danny Phantom game. Like I found for ten bucks at um, a Dollar Journal like ten years ago. Jesus. And it's essentially kind of like a bullet hell game. Okay. Where he plays Danny flying through the air, but he has to switch your polarity to like absorb the ghost blast. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It's not a game, not a type of gameplay you would expect from a cartoon like that. But that was the weird thing about some licensed games, because, you know, some are, you know, just shovelware. They just threw it out to catch a quick buck from release. But sometimes they could, like, mess around and actually have a good game out of it. Oh, yeah. And, and speaking of one of those games, uh, I actually got a story with this one. Because there was this one day, little kid, uh, we went to the park. I was just, you, you know, being a little shit, just like flopping around in the sand and, you know, digging through. And found this Spy Kids game. You found a Spy Kids game <laughs> in the dirt? Yeah. So uh, I took it home. 
you know, blew all the dirt and shit out. It fucking worked. Hell yeah. And it was pretty fun. I don't remember a lot of the specifics around it. I just remember it being me putting a lot of time into it. But I, I just remember that one time just like sifting through the dirt for some reason. And then it was like, wait, what's this? Uh, it, it's a little tangential, but on a, on a similar note, I remember years ago, uh, my mom came home one day and she said, hey, I found this. Do you want it? And apparently she found a, a, a working copy of Pokemon Pearl in like her work parking lot. Oh, Jesus. And I was just like, shit, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I already had a, I already had Pokemon Pearl, but just like, it's just sort of crazy how there be a game you just find in the wild, like in the dirt, and it still works good. Just some other games. Um, okay, one of my all-time, this is one of my all-time favorite games ever, and that's Mario and Luigi's Superstar Saga. This is one of the Mario RPGs. Yeah. It was It was probably the first one since, no, no, probably the first one since Paper Mario. Yeah. And uh, this came out in the Game Boy Advance definitely around 2003, 2004, and I just fell in love with this game. I played it over, like, so many times because it has just, it's like, a gorgeous, like, sprite art. Just, like, a, just like a genuinely funny and just vibrant story. And, like, it really gives Mario and Luigi just uh, these really pop characters. And you have a whole new brand of, like, of, like, individuals and cast within the game. Yeah. And like the battle system is somewhat swell because it was it was one of the first RPGs I played that had the um like the the, the reactive gameplay. It's still turn based, but you had to like press a button to like to dodge or to deliver extra damage. Yeah. So you really had to get you get your timing down and like learning the combos to do the uh the tag attacks in the game. It's uh it's without without question like my top five video games ever. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good from that series. And it was recently um, re-released on the DS just a few years ago with like extra content. Okay. And um, But, man, in middle school, that was one of my big memories is just like with this game for sure. Oh, one I see on the table right now that I play put hundreds of hours into was Mario Kart Super Circuit. Oh, shit, yeah. Because I remember just loving the shit out of that game. And I remember when, once I started get, uh, doing the emulator stuff, that was one of the games I, I went out of my way to find a ROM of. And I remember there was one time we, uh, it was like me, Cody, Tanner, I think maybe Colt, we were uh, playing on this SNES uh, emulator and, we, and just had some like popular games like Super Metroid, Mega Man X, so on and so forth. And they had we had the original... Mario Super Mario Kart on there and they were like how the fuck you play this I'm like because I mean it it works similarly to the old old school Mario Kart yeah and I'm just like hey fuck you you little shits because I remember playing a lot of this um but man it was tricky because unfortunately um this is before I before I really realized that Oh, the characters have different play styles in the game. So I loved Yoshi, but I couldn't. I was like, "Why the hell is it so hard to drive as Yoshi?" Because Yoshi can't turn a corner for shit in that game. Yeah, and it's, and so that really fucked me when I'm playing like the Bowser cart levels or like God Help Rainbow Road. Yeah, like Yoshi's he's like he's just too wild taking a corner, so you're just like fucked. But like I remember that that was a big one I played. My sister had the Nicktoons racing game. Okay. 
Which, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially Mario Kart with just, like, Spongebob and yeah. all them on there. All the Nickelodeon characters. Um, another big game for me was um, Metroid Fusion. Oh, fuck. Metroid was always one of those series I wanted to get into, but just never had the chance because, like, none of my friends were really into it. Yeah. Because I got that for a Christmas, I know. And I remember just eating it up because that that was my first time playing a Metroid. And just sort of the big, expansive world. And sort of like, you know, piecemealing your way through a game. And you hate, like, figuring... Because it, ha- it has a map in the corner. But but it, you have to kind of play through the area to get the full map. Yeah. And, of course, with Metroid, the big part of it is, like, exploring and backtracking to get, to get like, extra, like, ammunition and health expansion, ammo expansion and things like that. And I remember, like, one, it just being super fun, but also really scary to explore. Because cause you can see what the game is, Samus gets infected by this parasite, and she has to get this new suit that's made from a Metroid, because she killed all the Metroids, so it's prey kind of overpopulated and sort of taking things over. But the parasite that infected her essentially replicated her, so this is a there's a perfect version of Samus walking around that's at the peak of her powers, and you have to kind of rebuild yourself from the ground up because you're infected, you're damaged, you have to kind of regroup. So not only you're you're expanding, like exploring this space station that's been like mutated by a parasitic alien, but also you have like this unbeatable enemy that you, that will that you'll sometimes cross paths with, and you cannot fight it. It will be, like, instant death, so you have to hide. Oh, the thing, Because the thing is, you know when it's close when the music stops, and you just hear footsteps, and you, that's when you know you have to get running and start hiding somewhere. Oh, shit. Like, it's legit had some good horror vibes, but I remember just being stuck with it for, like, literally years because I, I got to the water level because it's a space station that it's, like, like it's natural research space. It recreated these different biomes and you're supposed to go and you're going through each one in turn as the game unlocks itself. And I got to the water level and I got fucking stuck. I could not figure out how to progress because he, you know, the big part of that sports has to use your like missiles and bombs to like locate a new thing. I remember just being stuck for literally years till I finally figured out just by chance how to get through that level. Jesus. But it, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, punishingly difficult too as you would expect yeah I, I remember seeing like to concur with you seeing some scenes from that game like when you first see the zombie Samus and it, it was like legit like ooh that's a little creepy ooh got me got me a little goosebumps going yeah it's really good because uh, like I said whenever you hear see like clone Samus coming like you, you know you're fucked and you gotta you only have like a few seconds to go hide somewhere it's like the kid version of Nemesis. Yeah, essentially, because you're just guys when when clone Samus, it's like it's like on site with it. Cause it's just like it'll fucking just blow you away. Yeah, I I never owned Zero Mission, which is the um. Well, excuse me, I, 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 I was like, like I forgot I had right it. I had Zero Mission, which is basically the Game Boy port of the first game, and that's where Zero Suit Samus comes from. Yeah, and because uh, I I remember playing it. I feel like I feel like I never beat it because, like, for whatever reason, I, probably because it was just so hard. Because I feel like it was harder than Fusion. It, well, I mean, it was based off the NES game, so yeah, it, it would be. But 
I remember I just remember putting more time in the fusion because I, I feel like I I liked the aesthetic more how it was like really weird and creepy and like it really taps in a horror vibe that I feel like I haven't really seen it in some ways from Metroid since because like, there's one boss in there called Nightmare and he's like this weird pile of junk and biomass when you're like he's like hanging from like cords and viscera from a ceiling and his face is just like reconstituted matter in the shape of a face is just dripping oh shit. and then you have to blow his goopy face off to see this weird like mechanical underneath and it's just it's fucking creepy and weird and it's that i just fusion was an amazing game <laughs> david cronenberg where you come from space cronenberg oh fuck while, while it it's towards the top of my list but there was this game and, you know this came out around like 2003 ish yeah you know Around the time Lord of the Rings was big. Okay. So there was this turn-based RPG for the Game Boy Advance of Fellowship of the Ring. And and it's based off the books, not the movie. And man, I put so much time into that. And there were legitimately parts that were super fucking hard. Probably because I was just a dumb kid. Because on the emulator, years later, I, I went and got the ROM of it and I kind of just blew through it. It was like, well, shit, I didn't know. I just didn't know what I was doing. But uh, kind of bouncing off the Metroid Fusion, there was a lot of really creepy shit in that game because there there were a couple chapters in the book that are not in the movie just for brevity. And one is the uh, the old forest, which the, the whole point of the old forest was the trees would move and shift so you would never know where you were. So anytime you would move areas, it would choose a random area for you to go to. And, and there was a way you could kind of figure out how which, which places lead to where. Because there, there's one part that is just a dead end with a spider. Oh, like a she-lob kind of thing? Yeah. And the spiders, for your level of power... Holy shit. He did not play around. And goddamn, if you killed one of those sons of bitches, they made the most ungodly screech. He was like, <laughs> like little eight, nine, ten year old me was like, and, and then after that, after that area, you go to basically it's the burrow downs, which are full of like fucking zombies. And, and they were hard too. And, and, and because. You start out the game as the four hobbits, basically. Like, they fucking suck. Because <laughs> all, all they, they can only, like, equip, like, knives and shit. And, and they only put out so much damage. Because all, all the years of Frodo hanging out with Gandalf, he didn't think to learn a damn spell. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, Gandalf's a goddamn demigod. But the, but the minute you get uh, Aragorn, it... it turns and you're just like fuck you bitches and he just carries you and then by the time you get the entire fellowship the hobbits are irrelevant (laughs) they're important to the plot not to the game oh yeah like you're just having like Gandalf throw like fireballs and shit but the thing that made this game but the game was really fucking buggy and and there's this one bug where in Moria there's this door you have to walk through to continue the, the story. But when you walked in through the door, the game would just hard lock. And apparently there was like a way you could bypass that to where the game just wouldn't just 
say just like fuck you I'm done but I could never get it to work even on the emulator and I was so pissed because I always wanted to go through and play the rest of the game but never could I guess I was lucky I never had like a really buggy game like that before because I've, I've always heard the stories of like a, a bug that would like break the game for you like if you, like it but it seemed like it's definitely like an older game if you like if you if you did the wrong thing or you went to this certain place the game would just either like corrupt your save delete it or it would just freeze on you yeah and like it wouldn't like delete your save or anything but like yeah you just could not move you were just fucking stuck well i, I will say that uh, i did, i did have a game breaking bug but it wasn't the game's fault it was my fault because um i have Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Oh, okay. And um, I, I uh, messed around with a game chart one day and I like, maxed out my level. Mm-hmm. To, like, because there was, like, one boss I just could not fucking get past. It was probably one of the Rikus, because you fight Riku, like, half a dozen times, and he's just bullshitting each one. Yeah, the Riku replicant fights in that game are, are bullshit. Because he do that one damn move where he would lift up in the air and start zipping around and just like one shot you just fuck you in the ass and he always had to have that zero card to break it but then he'd do it immediately again because the the AI in most games they don't play by the same rules that you do oh no they fucking cheat (laughs) SNK but um to bypass that um I maxed out my level and whenever I would go whenever I beat that enemy uh I would get the experience points, the little experience balls, but because it would be enough to level you up, and I was already maxed out on level, the game would just, like, freeze and crash. It didn't know. It was like, what do? So I literally had to, like, basically scrap that save. Jesus Christ. I couldn't remember if I, I feel like I either had to scrap that save or just figure out how to undo the cheats on it. Yeah. But, like, I was just like, oh, fuck. Because I got legit scared. It's like, oh, no, what happened? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not super familiar with the Game Boy version. I've played the PS2 remake and fuck Chain of Memories in I, particular. I, I know that's that's a very contentious game in Kingdom Hearts because it's a whole, like, card battle gimmick. Personally, I, I enjoyed myself. It was just it was just h- hard anyway because I remember that fucking Hades fight was bullshit. He was hard and all the goddamn... Uh, Riku fights and uh, that fucking that the girl with the lightning powers. Ah, oh, fuck, Lark scene. Yeah, God, she was such a pain in the ass. Uh, oh, like in Kingdom, like the the data battles in Kingdom Hearts two and three. Fuck off. They're of of her. They're super bullshit. But I would I would say a, a underrated game for the Game Boy Advance would be Drill Dozer. Now, did you ever play this? I, I never played it, but it's a weird-looking cartridge. Now, with this, Drill Dozer is made by Game Freak, which is a company that plays Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And it's about a little girl whose father is the head of a um, notorious thief guild. Okay. And then he gets um, injured on a job, so it's up to her to take up the family job as as, as leader of the thief gang and, re- and recollect these colored diamonds and but her personal weapon and a signature of the the gang is just little tiny drill mech. And what makes this game unique is that it comes with a rumble pack built in. Oh, okay. So whenever you use your drill, the game vibrates, and it, it uses uh, heavily the shoulder buttons. 
so the the game would have the excuse me the drill has three gears. You press it once to, to activate your drill, and then on and on until you get to the third gear, which is like maxes out your power and speed. So each time the game vibrates more and more. So when you have like that drill turned all the way up to three, that your thing's just shaking in your hand like crazy. Oh Jesus! And it was just a really fun game and it, very challenging because you had to use your drill at certain levels to like activate puzzles or fight certain enemies. And especially it got hard when you got to the platforming because you had to do this thing where you had to jump and plug your drill into a hole and then kick out of it to latch onto the next drill hole, like just kind of hop through the air. But the thing is, the drill doesn't keep running unless you just, you're just constantly activating it. it okay. So it, it runs normally just at level one, but you have to keep turning it on for the higher levels. So you're, like, you're trying to like time the – because you have a little meter that fills up to activate the next gear shift. So you have to like time your gear shifts and keep your drill running, but also especially when you're trying to do double time of like your the gear shift and a moving platform. It was balls hard, but it was so much fun. And it's one of the few games Game Freak did outside the Pokemon series. And I I loved it. It was it was just a lot of fun. A lot of character, a lot of originality and just like just interesting designs in it. And my personal favorite about the game, it it, it the box ship with a with a mini comic, okay, drawn by um, the the artist from Pokemon, so he had like this whole other side of his art, and uh, character. It's basically it's basically a prequel to the game, like yeah, basically how it, how we got there. So that's that's a a big shiny memory in my head. I remember playing that on a road trip one day, and I just got that's how I, that's how I played through all our vacations down the road. It's like. I've got like I got a new game for the trip, and I just played that the whole trip down there and back. Just looking at this weird cartridge reminded me of oh fuck, what was that game? It was Yoshi. It was a Yoshi. Yoshi game. Topsy Turvy. Yes. Get it, get it had the gyroscope in it. Oh my god! And it was so stupid hard. I know we keep saying that, and I think that was probably just because I was a kid and bad at games. But. Well, I think it's also because you're just, you're a young kid and you're playing a game, but also just like Nintendo is known for having really hard games. So yeah. like you have this double handicap. Cause I remember, I never played Yoshi topsy turvy, but basically with it, it had like a gyroscope in it. Yeah. So you, it, you basically would have to tilt based on what puzzle you were doing or whatever platforming obstacle because it was so hard like i couldn't even get past like like the second or third world mm-hmm. so i was just like fuck this i shit. think i think there was a WarioWare game that had a similar gimmick probably i think it was, i was WarioWare twisted oh, okay that that was a game series that i unfortunately never got a chance to play because that because WarioWare was a, a, a sub sub series in the, of, of wario where he had uh, so you started a game company had like all these tiny little games you could play. It's like literally five second mini games. And they're all just like goofy and weird and funny. And yeah. it had like a, just a huge extended cast for the game as well. Yeah. I, I remember like a friend of mine having like two or three warrior wear and I, I would play that a little bit, but it, I only like played bits of it. Another one uh, that was big for me and my cousins. Cause that's who I played my games with, um, was Legend of Zelda Minish Cap. Oh fuck. Cause it, it, this, this is part of the, uh, the four swords sub series and it was essentially the prequel to it. And it was, it was actually, uh, co-produced by Capcom who did the Oracle of 
ages and seasons. And Minish Cap is easily one of my favorite Zelda games. It has just like a, uh, just a really big world of like a lot of characters, all just like great pixel art. And just it just it just felt like there was so much to do in it. It had a really fun story too. And I just remember that the the final dungeon was just fucking difficult because especially because um the final run of the, of the game you have like three consecutive boss battles. And what what makes it like this unique is that I think the the final boss you have to fight before you get to the, the actual final boss it's time it's like it's timed. But you don't know how long it is. Oh, that's bullshit. Because like the bad guy is draining the life out of Zelda, so you have to fight like this updated version of like the hardest enemy in the game mm-hmm. as like this like interim boss, and you have like X amount of. You, I, I think I don't, I don't even know there's there's a uh, definitive time. It's just like it, the game it just has a set length that if you don't complete it, then Zelda dies and you lose. Jesus Christ! And what makes it spooky is because not only is the bad guy ball is hard, he's like he's the dark knight, he's like the big armored knight. Is that when 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 it's when you fail, you hear like a clock strike midnight essentially, and you hear Zelda scream bloody murder, and the game just cuts to black. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's fucking intense. I just remember having to hustle through that boss fight, and get, but it was so hard too. Yeah. But man, Minish Cat was just a a great. I put so many hours into it, just playing the game, and then going back and get all the collectibles because there's a ton of collectibles in that one. Cause they, they even had a fucking um, like Gashapon machine in game. You collect, really? you collect these little shells. That was your currency for the gumball machine, and you had to put in so many to get the figure. Could you have the figure of every single character in a game? All the NPCs, all the bosses, all the enemies. Literally, like. 200 figures to collect. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's an all timer for me as well. Hell yeah. Uh, I never played Minish Cap, but when I was going through like different ROMs on the emulator, I, I played the link to the past mm-hmm. for the game boy. It's, uh, it, it was hard on an emulator because I was, the emulator was on my phone. So the buttons didn't have any feedback. So once it got to the dark world dungeons, it like it became impossible to play because you would have to time things just right. And in Link to the Past, there's that, that stupid fucking worm boss that uh, I think it's the third dungeon, and, and you climb this really tall tower. You get to the top, and on this platform is this worm that's just like doing his little thing, and, and his weak point is his tail. But he's just so erratic, it's hard to hit him. But when he hits you, you don't take damage, but he pushes you back really far. And if he knocks you off of the uh, platform, you go to the floor below you. And if you're unlucky, you can actually get knocked down like three or four floors. And then you have to go all the way back up, and the boss fight starts again. That sounds like a pain in the ass. Because that's something that Zelda game would do. Not only make it hard hard enough of a boss fight, but then, like, have this extra encumbrance where, oh, uh, you, you got hit by the move, but guess what? You fell all the way back at the end of the dungeon. Yeah, and then on top of that, every time you hit him, he gets a little faster. Oh, of course. He, and probably even more erratic. Oh, yeah. Like, by by the time he, it's, he's on his last hit, he's just like... 
Yeah, fuck that. But, like, it, it's a really fun game. Yeah, I never got to own uh, Link to the Past, but I remember playing it. My cousin had it. Mm-hmm. And, um... Cause I remember, I just remember being kind of weirded out playing it because uh, when you, I think it's linked to the past when you start the game, your uncle dies in front of you. Yeah, it's it's unceremonious. He's like, Link, take my sword, and then, <laughs> and then he's laying there dead, and then it does the da 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 da. You it, got a sword, and and you can go back, and his dead body will still be there. Yeah, uh, and, and there's another morbid detail because. Uh, because when the, at a certain, there's this little sanctuary you can go to where Zelda and the king are at. But after the the villain does completely take over, you can go back to that sanctuary and you just see the, the uh, king's corpse. That's just fucking bones. <laughs> oh, Jesus. In a robe. It's like, what the fuck? I think, the, the think there were, I don't know how many Zeldas there were for the Game Boy Advance. I just remember... Put in the most time in the minutes cap. I kind of played, kind of back and forth in a few different ones. Oh, another big one for me was um, Dragon Ball Advanced Adventure. Oh fuck! Which it was like this action. It's like it was some. It had some platformer, but it was more like a side-scrolling action game. Basically, you play is play through the whole series of Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. and uh, you just kind of like punch and fight your way through like enemies and explore. And I remember really liking it because it was, I think it was the first Dragon Ball game that really, I don't know if it was, it wasn't the first Dragon Ball game ever, but like, you know, growing up with the friends and family that we did, like there are like a hundred different Dragon Ball Z games. Oh yeah. And various forms. But this was like the only one that I remember having that was just Dragon Ball. Yeah. And you play through the whole story and I I, I kind of had like this little insider cred because my cousin he had literally every single Dragon Ball Z game the second it came out, but he didn't know about the Dragon Ball game. I had like, a little bit of an edge on him for that that one minute. <laughs> he went he went out and got it himself the next week, but it was a lot of fun because he had like like combos you can do in the game. You can pull off like Kamehameha's and like use the um the his uh fighting pole yeah in like different ways and different combos. It, it was a had a really cool battle system. And what made it neat is that it had different gameplay styles depending on the different points. Like, whenever you sort of go to a new area for the first time, you have, like, a flying Nimbus level where you're just, like, flying through the air. be kind of like quasi-bullet hell. You'd shoot off Kamehameha's or use your staff to fight off, like, demons or birds or uh, jet planes. And then when it got to the Tenkaichi, like, the fighting tournament sessions, it would literally turn into a 2D fighter. Hell yeah. And you would fight, like, you know, Tien and Master Roshi and Krillin and all of them. Even, like, some of the weirder ones, like the um, like the devil guy uh, at the end of the game, like, toward the end of Dragon Ball, where, like, the the, the witch Baba, she had, like a, like, a Frankenstein, a werewolf, and a devil. She all summoned to, like, yeah. d- the impede Goku. And then I remember one of the last bosses was uh, his grandfather. Yeah. Grandfather Gohan. And then Piccolo, because um, you, you play through the whole game with, as they come, and those are challenging enough. But then you can have like a like an extra mode after you beat the game was this boss rush, which is everybody harder. And I, I, I literally could not get past Grandpa Gohan. He was because literally he would just hit you with like every move right off the bat, then just 
finish you off, knock in your ear, then smack you right back down. I couldn't hardly get a hit in. Damn. Like, it was punishing. And it had a lot of collectibles. You could get little capsule, corp capsules, and get, like, different items. Like, if you watched or read Dragon Ball, you would know right away. And if you beat the game, you got to play as Krillin. He had a whole different move set. So, it was... it. I can't imagine how hard it be, or how expensive it would be to get get this game nowadays, but this was like a, a definitely a hidden gem for me. Hell yeah! Just hearing you talk about it makes me want to play it because I, I never played that one, but I was really into the legacy of Goku games. Uh, not not necessarily the first one. The first one's kind of poo poo, but especially Legacy of Goku two and then Buu's Fury. Oh man, it, it's. It's like an action RPG, and and you can play through. You can play as about five or so characters that you gradually unlock as the game goes along. So like you know you you start out like with Legacy Goku two. You start out as Gohan and I think Piccolo, and then you work your way up to Goku at the end. And then you, you know you go through like Legacy Goku two was the Android saga. Yeah. So you play through all of that. And then Boo's Fury is just all the stuff with Blue, Boo, including like a lot of the stuff before Boo, like uh, the Great Saiyaman stuff. Uh, those games were really fun and really distilled the essence of the story into a more digestible form. Because like I, I, the last time I went back to watch the show, there's just so much fucking filler. And, and, like, I, I remember in particular the fight with Frieza. By the time Goku's Super Saiyan, it's like, they have five minutes before the planet explodes, and then it's like 17 episodes of that five minutes. A lot of padding. Yeah, but, like, yeah, the, the, those, these games were really fucking fun. Uh, and they had, for me, like, the right amount of challenge. Like, because I remember Legacy Goku 2 in particular, th- there was this, uh, this difficulty spike once you got to An- uh, Android 17, because you had to fight him as Piccolo. And it's like, right as he fuses with... Uh, What's his face? Kami. Kami, yeah. So, you know, you get this, like, extra power. So, I guess the developers were like, well, we got to make the enemies harder now. <laughs> but, yeah, the and the, the fight with Cell at the end of Legacy Goku 2 is hype as shit. Oh, I bet. It, it's so good. And, and then it has a really cool synthy soundtrack. I don't know how much of it is from the original show. But I, I just remember there was just, like, a really cool, like, synth box. Uh, chords in the soundtrack that were really cool. Let's see another another big one for us, especially my family. Um, did you ever play Golden Sun? I never got a chance to play it. Golden Sun is probably like one of the like corner like maybe not corner. It was like one of the like top games for the Game Boy Advance. It was in there. It was a turn based RPG from back in the day. I would say like two thousand four to three two thousand three to two thousand five, and Basically, you play in the uh, world of Camelot, but it's it's not Arthurian legend. It's that just happens to be the name of this island. And you play these um, in this like this European medieval fantasy. We you, uh, you have to play as these four teenagers who have to sort of save the world from these this dangerous duo from like using the power of alchemy to like fuck up the world. Yeah, and so you, you so basically throughout the game, you games like these like psychic elemental powers because you have, you know, because your, your spell casting is sort of based off the items you equip and which 
elemental spirits you equip. He had because mm-hmm. the spell magic is sort of crafted from these characters called the Jin. It's like these little elemental spirits. And you have like classical elements like fire, water, wind, and air. Excuse me, fire, air, fire, earth, wind, water. Excuse me, and it had just like a, it had a, a great soundtrack, great battle system. But probably one of the hypest things about the game are the summons. Yeah, and I showed this to Jonathan a while back. But do yourself a favor. If you've never seen the summons to, for Golden Sun, check that shit out because they go balls to the wall, especially like the high end, like top tier summons for each element. Because, like, because there'll be some crazy shit. Like, um, you get to summon Thor and like a dragon and like summon goddamn meteors. But probably <laughs> the biggest one is a is the ultimate earth summon, which is, which is a fucker called Judgment. It's like this big armored knight with angel wings and a lion's head with a cannon in it. And it shoots, a, he flies up in the air and shoots an energy ball that when it hits the ground, it has like this, uh, this Akira atomic blast that just like, oh shit, that just levels the entire goddamn country. And then you pull that shit out to blow up like a level two enemy yeah. just to be as petty as shit. And, it, and it's <laughs> so satisfying. Yeah, that was a series I always wanted to get into, but never got around to. Did you ever play the Sonic Advance trilogy? No, I I think I've, I've got to play with a buddy on a on a bus ride home, but I never got to play those. So tell me about that. Oh man, those, those games were fun. They were akin to your classic two D Sonic games, but with like the three D Sonic design and sort of attitude, and. My God, when you pick up speed in those games, half the time, like Sonic, like goes like ten feet off the screen. So like, the and, game can't even keep up with how fast he's going. Yeah, exactly, and, and it's really annoying, especially because there's a lot of fucking bottomless pits and spikes and shit. So you don't know if like Sonic's going to run into something, and especially when you go like down long hills, it's like oh fuck, and you just kind of lose control of him. Uh. Those were pretty fun, but the Sonic game on the Game Boy Advance I put the most time into was Sonic Battle. Oh, shit. I I remember really wanting to play that because I saw the art for it, and I was like, oh, this is really good. And I, um, I, if I remember correctly, it had a pretty cool sto- story mode for it, too. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, it's a Sonic story. It's nothing, like that's going to blow your mind. But like for Sonic in particular, it was really good. Uh, the, the whole gist of it was there's this, I think Eggman creates this robot that has the ability to replicate people's powers. So he goes through each section of the game. He stays with a particular Sonic character and then begins to copy their abilities up until the point where he has everybody and then he's like, I'm going to destroy the world and you have to beat him. But yeah, it it is sort of this, like it was a fighting game, but it was this weird. It's like isometric in a kind of way. Yeah. It's it's really hard to explain without like actually showing you it, but man, some of the characters were cheap as shit. Like shadow was fucking bullshit. Because hit one of his like main attacks was he would like snap your fi- his fingers, and if you're like in the like the vicinity of the attack, you he it would just like throw you in the air. 
and then he could just like fucking destroy you. Uh, who like um, was it? Um, I remember if I remember correctly, was Cream like one of those bullshit characters? Yes, that's what I was about to say. Cream was fucking bullshit from at least from memory, because the what the characters could do, uh, what you had to do was uh, you could regenerate your health by doing this like Dragon Ball Z type charge, but you also had this other special meter, and once you filled the special meter your character flashes a certain color and then you can do the ultimate attack and and cream in particular like the minute you start charging her health and like special meter are automatically full it's just like boom fuck your shit and and she had like particularly long range so it was kind of Cause, she, cause, she, cause, like, she's a little bunny rabbit that throws a baby, like, chow, and that, that's her attack. She just takes this little, cute blobby baby and just throws it at you from like probably halfway across the map, and you can't touch her because she's just like bah, 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 just tapping you away with this little, with this little baby. Yeah, because like other characters, like like Shadow, uh, the, uh, their charging ability is really slow to sort of compensate with the fact that he has just bullshit powers. Because there's this one ability he can do where he jumps in the air, disappears, appears on the ground, and does like a fucking Majin Vegeta type explosion that just anyone in the vicinity is going to eat shit. But like, it's so hard to do because it's hard to get that up because it's, his recharge is really slow. But like other characters, it uh, wasn't so much. But uh, the story was cool because it you know you had to go through every character. And, and so, like, if you weren't good as one character, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to stay as, as them forever, and and it would help you sort of get in the mindset of how that character plays. So yeah, the, that game was really fun. Oh, let's see, uh, an- another big game for me in, in, a, in a different way was um, Yoshi's Island Advance. Oh fuck! Because I remember just loving the game. Uh, the hell because it because like yoshi yoshi's my favorite mario character same here and it's just like it's just a cutesy world that's just really fun and it can get balls hard as you can imagine just with any sort of mario or like classic nintendo ip but i remember taking that game came, took a special uh meaning for me uh like my first years of college and i'd ha- i just get the really bad anxiety like sometimes it just hit me in the middle of class and what would help me calm down was like i would run off to the bathroom and pull out my game boy or ds and just play yoshi's island Mm -hmm. because like the game and just like the whole aesthetic of it was just like really comforting so like i was able to focus on this like cutesy game to to, like get back to normal and go like go about the rest of my day so that game really helped me get through a, a difficult time as well okay and plus like yoshi's island it's just i don't know amazing game yeah i just remember i made the mistake of playing it with the volume up with uh and like back when i was a kid when i was at home and of course with yoshi island if you get hit you don't lose health you lose baby mario oh god and baby mario was just screaming he he just screamed he just screamed louder and longer it it took you to get to him i remember i remember playing that at the hairdresser when my mom was getting her haircut i had the volume up and it was so loud, my hairdresser and my mom were like, shut that thing up at the same time. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's an old SNES game. And yeah, little baby Mario screams his little head off. If yeah, you don't I, needless to say, after that, I never played with the sound on when I played that game. 
<laughs> I can imagine. Well, I guess uh, we'll, we'll shift gears slightly. What's a game that you never got to play that you that you really wanted to? Oh, fuck. Like, I really wanted to play the Metroids and the Castlevanias. I never yes, did. Castlevania is always like one of my one of my uh, missing uh, games. Yeah, because I, I never got to those, but always was interested in sort of the aesthetic of them. I know a big one was Castlevania. It was Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. Yeah. Which is like the last Castlevania Game Boy Advance game. And I just remember just really diving deep into like, because Nintendo Power had like a like a two-month coverage on it where they had like the walkthrough of it. And they showed you, because Castlevania had, Aria of Sorrow you had this gimmick where when you beat an enemy, uh, randomly it would drop its power and you equip it and you had like this new like you get like an extra yeah. sword or like a beam or like fire or something and I just like just loved that aesthetic and uh, it was just like it was one of the, it's easily one of the best games for Game Boy Advance even though I indirectly got to play it because like I mentioned earlier the whole like absorbing the enemy's souls and using their powers that's essentially what the Shaman King games were yeah, it was just an anime version of Castlevania Aria Sorrow. Okay, but uh, so I I got to play it in spirit, I guess. Uh, outside of that, I can't remember any games that I specifically wanted but never got the chance to play. But it's also been so long and it's so hard to remember. I'm sure there was one. Um, did you ever play Boptai? No, I didn't. What's that? Uh, Boptai is was released by Capcom. It's made by the creator of Metal Gear Solid. Kojima. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's it's called Boptai Sun in Your Hands, and it had and it had it was a gimmick cartridge. See, because you play as a young boy who fights vampires using power of solar uh, light, and the cartridge actually had a UV receptor in it, so it would take in sunlight. It could it could know. Like artificial and real uh, UV right, UV light. So what you could do is you could play, take in sunlight, so that would charge your battery. You charge your in-game battery to use your weapon. It was a gun that shoots solar beams. So, but the trick was, the Game Boy when you went outside to play, it would reflect the light off the sun, so you couldn't really see how to play. Yeah. But it was it was it was a, a immaculately designed game. Like it really used, uh, even though you, if you couldn't use sunlight or didn't have a UV lamp, you could still play the game. It would just be significantly harder because the game already had like a built-in stealth aspect. It's just when you don't have the sunlight, you have to rely on your stealth and like sneaking around and using like very rare items to mm-hmm. to fight enemies because all the enemies are susceptible to sunlight. So you have to like. Just use your just use your trickery to get through the game. I remember having the game for a minute, but having to like resell it because it was just unplayable because I didn't have a UV lamp, and plus one, a UV lamp is kind of dangerous to, to play in it for a long time, and two, it's just hard as fuck to play because of the sunlight. Yeah, but I remember just loving the hell out of the game and. What what I got to play of it, and it's just it's it's a it's a gorgeous game. Look up look up gameplay of it. It's just you'll be surprised what they're able to do for the Game Boy Advance, just in terms of graphics. That, that sounds like some fucking Kojima shit, and uh, I'm down for it. But despite that, they made two uh, they made two uh, games of it, one and two. 
but a game that I always wanted to play but never got a chance to was called Magical Vacation. Okay, what's that? That was that was a um, a JRPG. That oddly enough, the the sequel to the game came out in America on the DS called Magical Star Sign. Okay, but it's essentially, um, it's an RPG where you play as this these students from a magical school who are taken to a beach on a magical school bus, and they're essentially told by their competitors like, "Hey, we're gonna pull some battle royale, Hunger Games bullshit with y'all. Good luck." Yeah. So basically, you have to kind of rally your student, your fellow students, in order to survive this like hazardous magical world. And there's, there's, I can't. There's, there's like a ton of character. Like there's like maybe fifteen playable characters. Oh wow! It's it's, it's a six person party. You can swap in the, at any time because all, all characters don't use say in your school bus once you rescue them. And so each character has an elemental power. So you have like you know fire, water, air, wind, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then you get to some really unusual powers. Okay. Like you had kids that have like insect magic. Love magic, sound magic, sword magic, animal magic. It just like into some just some really out there powers, and they're all like really quirky. Like one's a robot, one's a rabbit, one's a dog, one's a little like nerdy kid with a hood on. Like it was just like overwhelming and just like cutesy design and just like so completely different from anything I've ever seen. But unfortunately, they never saw fit to. Uh, to bring that to states, but except for its sequel several years down the road, which aside from me and my cousin, I don't think anybody on earth has ever played. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard of it until just now. So I think there, there, I think at this point there is an English language ROM of it, which I would love to play, but that was always one I held close to my chest and maybe one day I get to play, but I got to play it in a sense with that DS game. Which you can probably find for hella cheap now, I'm sure, because nobody played it except for me and one other person. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The last game or set of games I'll talk about, uh, and I'll be brief because we've all, we've spent a three-hour podcast on them before. <laughs> and those were the Final Fantasy games that were released for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, yeah. Um, in particular, 5 and 6 because those are – in my opinion, the definitive versions of those games, at least right now. And man, because uh, in college when I got the ROM, uh, when I was doing all the ROMs and shit, th- those were some of the games I went for first. And damn, like like I said, Final Fantasy VI is my favorite game of all time. So like that sort of speaks for itself. But uh, Final Fantasy V. In my opinion, is an underrated game. Not a lot of people hold it in high regard, but like I said, it's really fun. It's really funny. It's really cute. Like I said, I think you would really enjoy it. Okay, I remember you, you mentioned it back in our Final Fantasy episode, and like just you talking about it got me like buzzed because like you said, it was like it, it it could balance drama and comedy really well and have a really very interesting cast of characters. Yeah, and like. The character, like, it's more on the lighthearted side. Yeah. Because a lot of the Final Fantasies tend to go into melodrama and, oh, the misery. But, like, this one was really fun. Uh, the The only problem is, is it's, it's so hard to find and it's fucking expensive. Oh, I'm sure, like, 
God help if you try to find like an actual cartridge copy of this. Oh yeah, and then on top of that, like the iOS versions, which are the newest versions, look like ass. <laughs> so like, if you can get past it, like I mean, it's not great, but I mean, it's playable because it has that translation. Yeah. Because Final Fantasy V in particular has, uh, for the PS1, had a really bad fan, uh, really bad translation. And then there were a bunch of fan translations to where they translated the main character's name to Butt. Butts with a Z. So, yeah, every time I play it, I rename him to Butts because that's just funny and I'm immature. But, yeah. the uh, If you find those games in the wild for cheap or online somewhere... Uh, tell me, please, because I want these. <laughs> yeah, because uh, just like looking at these games, like I, I, I kind of want to hit up our, our local like discount giddy game store to see what Game Boy Advance games they have because like there's because the Game Boy Advance for me is probably the one I the console I spent the most amount of time with like the, I have the most of memories associated with and like I have the most game for because literally there's probably. 25 30 games on the table that are just mine and like there's there's a, the once we haven't got to like Mega Man and base hardest balls I never got past the first level um Mega Man zero even harder oh my god those games were stupid hard but like as, as hard as they were like a lot of these games I still have an affection for and there's still so many that I wanted to play just never got a chance to because the just the sheer volume of games released for the game boy Advance it's just huge so maybe one day i'll get to track some of those down but honestly i don't get to play i don't play as many games anymore but like um the game boy advance era is just like one of my most like uh fond memories as like as as a kid back in the day and even now i just like i could i could go back and pop any of these games in and just have a blast oh yeah and, and then on top of that it was a very innovative console with a bunch of random shit i one thing we haven't talked about was you could get certain cartridge that had like episodes of television. Yeah, the Game on. Boy Advance video. Yeah, because I had the Dragon one of the Dragon Ball GT ones. I think it was like the first two episodes of the Baby Saga. Yeah, <laughs> which like, like it's kind of <laughs> random place to start, but. And like with like little gimmicks stuff like that, you always thought it was the coolest thing, even though it, it looked like dirt. Oh my god, yeah! Like it, it, it I imagine it looked like complete ass. Because I remember my sister had one, and it was like two episodes of Codename Kids Next Door. Oh. And like, <laughs> imagine watching the same two episodes of a cartoon and just like super lo- like lower than YouTube quality in two thousand seven, like. And, 70p and then like no light in a in a car in the summer and imagine how well that is is able to be viewed yeah but like back in the day we thought that shit was the hottest thing and it's like the the most inefficient way to watch something i mean we we literally had a portable dvd player and we're still it's like mom i'm watching tv on my game boy who cares about the dvd player yeah and there were like a bunch of like random like music player like proto mp3 players back in the day that were completely impractical but 
But because it was on the thing that you love most, that made it the coolest thing in the world. Oh yeah. So I think I think this is a good a good place to tie it in. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a blast just going through memory lane, looking looking at all these uh, old cartridges and just digging out my old Game Boy stuff. And it's just been fun to relive that with Jonathan here. So we want to thank you all for listening today. Uh, just remember that this month we're doing things a little different. So next week will be Winslow and Colt talking about something very special. And um, I'm sure it won't be just calm, piss, and shit. But not making any promises. No promises. But we don't know what they'll be doing. So it's, it's, it'll be a surprise for everyone. So until then, um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, RSS, Feed Catchers. We're there. Be sure to like, review, subscribe, and all those platforms. that really helps us out. Keeps the show going and spreads it around to more people. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AYZ Podcast. You can follow us on Letterbox and Facebook at All You Can Hear Podcast. Excuse me. Um, yeah, All You Can Hear. I do this every goddamn week. I mess it up. <laughs> and Twitter. Goddamn. Twitch and YouTube at All You Can Hear. But also, starting this month, you have a new way where you can contact us. We have a brand new phone number. You can call in and talk to us, leave your questions, leave your comments. And then there, coming in a day in the future, we will have an episode where we, t- we have all your questions, remarks, and you can contact us and leave us a voicemail at our new hotline number, and that's 205-523-4965. That's 205-523-4965 or LAD4965. All righty. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter and Instagram at John Lost His Name. Follow my art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. My name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter at J O N I I I B O I 24. And then John Owns Son 12 on Letterboxd. Call us and tell us how much we suck. <laughs> you literally, you can call and, and uh, say just about anything. I, I'm sure it'll be worth a laugh. So uh, we'll see you all in two weeks. For our next uh, John and Pat show. And until then, take care of yourselves and uh, have a good day. Bye.